Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Simply, our title is Signs. Signs. Ever uh, stop and think about how much a sign affects you? I was driving down the road one day and I wasn't hungry at all until I looked up and saw a slice of pizza up there on a, on a billboard. All of a sudden, my stomach told me, you want something to eat, don't you? Or it could be a Big Mac or something like that that you see if they're advertised or maybe it's a steakhouse or whatever it is. But a sign communicates something to us, doesn't it? It sure does. Well, we're going to talk about signs tonight. We're going to start in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning at verse 15. Uh, and really, every time, as Dante said here earlier, we look at Andrew, we see such a sign. Such a sign. There's someone who we're told by medical science could not possibly live, but he's going to be 19 years old tomorrow. Praise God. Defying everything that they said. But we appreciate you know, medical science and their understanding and intelligence. We thank God for their dedication to uh, their profession. We need them and we thank God for that. But even when they say no, God can say yes. Right? And if we believe, we'll see the glory of God. And God healed him, gave him a left pulmonary, pulmonary artery that he did not have before, but now he does. Amen. Because of the power of God. Right? And even though he's you know, went to heaven twice, or he died twice, went to heaven and saw things of heaven. Sometimes he even says, I wish I'd be back there right now. And being with Jesus was so wonderful. He asked me these hard, difficult questions, you know, very, very difficult questions. Dad, how was it that I was able to understand and know that I was talking to Jesus when I was only 14 hours old? Why don't you answer that question? I wasn't there. How can the flowers sing? I wasn't there. How come the streets are all golden? I wasn't there. And he goes on and on and starts sharing some of the things of his experience of being there in glory. Only 14 hours old, but he says, I was aware of the fact that I was still very much like I am now, talking to Jesus. And I know he said, I've got to go back. I've got to tell people about him. And that's why I'm here. But I still want to go back. And I said, well, we all want to be there. But you've got a plan that God has for your life to fulfill. So, amen. Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, which is good news to every creature. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, he that believes... And is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Now he's talking about those that believe the gospel message. He goes on to say, these signs, everybody say signs. These signs shall follow them that believe. Not disciples, not apostles. Anyone who believes, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. In my name they shall take up serpents. 
In my name, if they drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them or hurt them. And in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Notice he didn't say be instantly healed all the time, but they shall what? Recover. They can begin to amend from that particular moment. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. They did their part. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. God did his part. They did their part. God did his part. Okay. They were commissioned to take this good news to every creature under the sun. And that's exactly what they set out to do. That was their part. And it was to share with people that Jesus defeated every work of darkness that satan is a defeated foe that the powers of darkness have been overcome that the victorious one is jesus and not the devil and his bunch in first john chapter 3 and verse 8 it's very clear he that committed sins of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. I have one question. Did he succeed? Absolutely he succeeded. So is the enemy destroyed? Is his kingdom destroyed? Is his work brought to naught? In the mind of God, Satan is completely, utterly defeated, period. And that's the bottom line. Which is why we're victorious in Christ and we operate from the position of victory, not defeat. Look in Hebrews chapter 2. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and look at this, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did Jesus succeed? He sure did. Did he destroy him that had the power of death? He sure did. Did he deliver us? He sure did. Praise God. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? The gospel is good news. That the devil's been defeated and we've been delivered from his powers and from all evil. And the evils of this age. Well... Also, we see in the scriptures in Mark's gospel, a pattern here. And the pattern is this. We announce the good news. We preach the good news of Jesus' victory over death, hell, and the grave, and all the powers of darkness. And God then sees to it that he confirms the word that's preached with signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, notice this. He's telling this to his disciples just before he goes and sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he has his coronation service and ceremony where he's restored to his glory and all things that he left behind. And he says, now you get into all the world and you let the good news be told among all men everywhere you go. That I've been victorious, that I have overcome, and that everybody is delivered and set free. And these are the signs that will follow, not you apostles... All believers. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, five signs. What are they? Number one, cast out 
devils. First thing. Isn't that something? Top of the list. Devils are going to try to withstand you. They're going to try to get in your way. They're going to try to make you think that he's not defeated. That you're defeated. And that you've got to bow to whatever it is that he wants you to do. But cast them out. Don't put up with them. Don't deal with them. Cast them out in my name. What's that speaking of? Authority. We have authority over all the powers of evil. I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we have authority. How? In the name of Jesus. It's not our power or ability. It's his. We're his ambassadors. He's empowered us to use it. So in other words, instead of putting up with these demon powers, we're to cast them out. Number two, they shall speak with new tongues. And I don't know why there's such an issue with tongues in this generation. I don't know why it is. Read your Bible. These five signs are connected to the name of Jesus. Right? Is his name as powerful today as it was then? Has it diminished in any way? Then the five signs that were initiated are still today. The same. Speak with new tongues is talking primarily about a spiritual heavenly language that we can use that really counteracts the Tower of Babel. You go back to the Tower of Babel when people spoke all the same language, but they were confounded because they were working together to try to build a tower up to heaven, and you know the story. And God himself said, look at what they're doing. If I can let it happen, there's nothing that they're going to not be able to do. So he confounded their what? Their language, their speech. But on the day of Pentecost, he restored a universal language so that all believers can pray in the Holy Ghost in their private devotional life and harmonize with all of heaven. Isn't that good to know? See why the devil doesn't want people to pray in the Holy Ghost with other tongues? He understands the power of it. Well, the next one is exercising authority over the animal kingdom. Take up serpents. That's authority over the animal kingdom. And is that for today? It sure is. Absolutely. And we'll share a little testimony about that in a moment. But we have authority even over the animal kingdom. That's been restored. Remember in the beginning when Adam was given what? Power and authority over all the animal kingdom. Right. And that's still now in Christ for us today. And then power over deadly poisons. Remember the context. We're not talking about snake handlers. We're not talking about those that on purpose drink battery acid like some of these people do and that are presumptuous and try to, for whatever reason, prove that they're so supernatural and so spiritual because they could do something like that, which is nothing but foolishness and presumption. It's not faith. But if you're in the context of out there proclaiming the good news it could be in some foreign land. It could be right here in the States where someone has whatever it is against you that tries to poison you. You can claim immunity in the name of Jesus and rise up victorious. So it's in that context that he's talking about this. You're proclaiming the gospel. Take up serpents. No deadly thing that you drink will harm you. And then finally, lay your hands on the sick that they may recover. You know, without even having an anointing and even understanding this divine flow of power to heal the sick, isn't it comforting when you're not feeling well and someone just comes and puts their hand on you and just touches you? And you can actually sense that energy from them flowing into you. It produces a comfort. 
Well, imagine when you multiply that by so much more when you've got the Holy Ghost in you that raised Jesus from the dead that you're unleashing into the life of another person which is the anointing of God to drive out a sickness or to drive out a disease. That power of God is available to all of us, for all of us. So those five things he said are connected with his name. And you know what? You could lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll begin to amend from that moment. Now, these are the signs. And these signs are necessary to do what? Advertise the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let people know that he is victorious over all the power of the enemy. Now, Jesus knew these signs were necessary to promote the gospel. He knew human nature, that people had to see certain things before they would believe. As a matter of fact, when he was here upon the earth, he himself performed many signs and wonders so that people would believe. You remember the story uh, in, I believe it is um, 1 Kings 18, talking about Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Remember that? Think about the mindset. These people are worshiping Baal. Elijah's over here with others, but he didn't know that others still existed, but they, they were worshiping Jehovah. And there's conflict there. Unrest there. Finally, he just gets fed up with it all and says, look, if Baal be God, let him rain down fire from heaven, consume the sacrifice, and we'll worship him. If Jehovah be God, let him rain down fire from heaven and burn up the sacrifice and worship him. What is he saying? You want a sign? Let's do it. Let's see who's a living God and let's see who's a dead God. A non-existent God. And so you know what they did. Oh, they worked so hard. They labored so much. That's religion. You know that. And here they are trying to get this thing just right. And they're just going to call upon Baal to bring down fire to burn up the sacrifice. And of course, Elijah has a little bit of fun with them and says, keep on praying. Maybe he's taking a nap. Keep on praying. Maybe he took a potty break. Keep on praying. Maybe he went out for lunch. As a matter of fact, I thought he was at Wendy's. And I think he was coming back here in just a moment. And nothing. Nothing. As hard as they tried, nothing, 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 nothing. There comes a time, you know what? We got to be the same way. We, in this generation, have to be the same way. You can serve all the religious gods you want. You can serve all the idols that you want. But I'm telling you something right now. Only Jesus is Lord of all. Okay? So, Elijah says, you done now? Okay, here's the sacrifice. Do a trench around it. Put water all over it. Soak that thing so wet, there's nothing but water all around it everywhere. What do you say, Lord? And boom, the fire comes out of heaven, burns up the sacrifice, licks up all the water, and what happens to all them? They bow, but they also die. What's the point? It took a sign, didn't it? It took a wonder, didn't it? It took a manifestation of the supernatural mighty power of Almighty God to get them to finally open up their eyes. And beloved, right now, in this society in which we live, people need their eyes open to who God really is and what God is really like. And it's going to take the power from on high to accomplish it. I mean, God wants us to believe his word, and he's for sure, without question. 
But for some people, it's going to take miracles to open up their eyes to see the truth. Look at John's gospel. Jesus understood human nature. He knew they needed to see supernatural signs. And look at what he says here in John 4, 47, 48. When he heard that, when he heard that Jesus came out, come out of Judea and Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Signs and wonders have their place, and the place is to get people to a place where they believe and they have faith in God's word. But to get them there, they needed some signs and wonders. Look at John 14 verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. So if you won't believe me because I'm telling you, if you won't believe me because I'm preaching it to you, believe me for the things you saw me do. The signs, the wonders, the miracles. You heard me say this on Sunday if you were here. We think we know something. We think we're intelligent. We think we're highly educated because we have an iPhone. Or we have a motorboat. Or we've come up with a rocket that will take us to the moon. And we think we know something. But you know what? Out there on the water, you could have the Titanic out there. And as they were streaming by in the Titanic, Jesus would be standing there waving to the ship. How you guys doing tonight? And then when he got on the boat, it was transported from there to shore, to land like that. Not just people, the whole boat. And we think we know something? What a way to travel. Can you imagine that? And by the way, you may have landed on the moon. He made it. He created it. And we think we know something? No. You've got to see signs, he said. Well, let me tell you something. I want to read this to you. If you don't have this book, you owe it to yourself. Like a mighty wind. Maltari. And this was the uh, Indonesian revival of the 70s. And these things that took place during that particular time. And I've got to change my weaponry. <laughs> that okay? All right. I want you to read, I want you, as I read this to you, listen to what took place among a group of people that were not going to believe the gospel. That were actually worshiping demons and devils. They knew them personally and the priest actually talked with them and knew them by name. So I'll read it to you and you'll get the point. I remember how one of the teams went to a village to preach the gospel. The pagan priest said to them, you can preach to us about Jesus, but we want to tell you we have known the devil for many generations. If we want healing, the devil gives it to us. If we want rain, the devil gives it. If whatever we want, the devil supplies. We have our own Bible too. And our God supply all our needs according to their riches. Well, it goes on to say that if you tell us about the new God you're talking about, let him prove that he is more powerful than our gods. The priest told that to the team. The team didn't know what to do, so they prayed together and asked the Lord for help. The Lord said to them, tell those people, if they want your God to prove himself to them, that he is more powerful than their gods or demons, let them gather together and I will prove myself. 
So the team said to the head pagan priest, gather all your people and tell them to come and we will see what will happen. The pagan priest was excited. He wanted to see if the Christian God could prove himself. They came together, about a thousand of them, with the head pagan priest in the front. The team stood across them. The team members just lifted up their hands and said, God, you said to us to go and preach the gospel. You said that many signs shall follow them that believe that in your name shall they cast out devils. God, these people here want you to prove yourself that you are more powerful than their devils. Now in the name of Jesus, we bind and cast out all demonic power that has ruled these villages and people over these many generations because of Christ's blood shed on Calvary. We command them to leave in the name of Jesus. After this simple prayer, they just said amen and looked at one another and let God do his job. Well, soon the head pagan priest began to tremble. Then he began to cry. And then he said, brothers, sirs, I want your God, Jesus, right now. It was such a quick transformation that the team members didn't know what to say. Why did you change your mind, sir? One of them finally asked. Oh, Jesus is more powerful than the devils, he replied. How do you know that? One of the team members asked. I am a pagan priest, he said. I have talked with the devils. I know many of them by name. Then he started to cry and couldn't control himself. What's the matter? We don't know what's going on, someone in a team said. Yes, yes, I know, the pagan priest replied. But when you prayed in the name of Jesus and bound all the demonic power here and commanded them to flee, do you know what happened? No, the team said. We don't know what happened. You just tell us what happened. I'll tell you, he said. I saw with my own eyes. I heard with my own ears all the demonic power that has ruled this village. They just gathered together one by one. From the biggest to the smallest. They ran away crying. Jesus won't permit us to stay here. We must go because Jesus wants these people. Jesus must be a tremendous God. I want to know Jesus. The team just said simply, if you want Jesus, we want to show you the way. So he opened up the Bible and very simply showed him how to accept Jesus Christ as his own personal Savior. He did it right, right away and all the other people did it right afterward. Praise God. Something in the unseen realm taking place. Spirits that controlled villages all this time for years. Pagan priests actually speaking to them and knowing them by name. And actually experiencing what they would call blessings from them. But what happened? The mention of that name. The demons had to leave. It's powerful, isn't it? Absolutely. You see... God wants us to believe his word, but in some cases it takes signs, wonders, and miracles to get people to that place. Look in the book of Numbers, and notice this in chapter 14, verse 11. These Israelites, they saw sign after sign after sign after sign, but they would never get to the place where they could believe the word of God. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. What's he saying? Signs have a place. And the signs that we see need to bring us to a place where we finally say, you know what? I believe God's word. I'm taking him at his word. I'm going to act upon his word. The signs did their part. The signs have their place. There may be people in our family right now that may never come to Christ without a sign. Did you know that? 
They may need to have somebody like the one fellow that prayed for his daughter. He was in the ministry. Norval Hayes. Zona was the name of the daughter. She got off into all kinds of wild living and everything else and kind of walked away from the things of God. At first he didn't know how to pray. He was praying and he was complaining and all that. And as a result, she wasn't coming back to the Lord. Finally, one day, the Lord spoke to him and just said, you need to stop what you're doing and start believing what you're preaching. He said that was hurtful to him. So finally, he just said, I turn her over to God. I'm going to thank you for her deliverance. I'm going to thank you for her uh, victory over this thing. And night after night, when she would come home drunk on drugs and everything else that she was doing out there in the world, three o'clock in the morning, instead of hollering at her when she walked in the door he started just worshiping God and praising God thank you that she's serving you thank you that she's walking with you and so on and so on and kept on doing it guess what one night when she came home that way he was doing the same thing in his bedroom on his knees saying thank you thank you thank you thank you her angel appeared to her standing at the foot of her bed and when she looked up and saw that angel staring her eyeball to eyeball it put the fear of God into her she sobered up in a heartbeat she got herself into Bible school and got involved in teaching the Word of God and serving the Lord. You see, it took a sign. It took a wonder. But, but remember this. It took a conduit, too. Someone to make a highway for God to move. And sometimes that's a sacrifice. And many times it's a sacrifice. That we get before God and say, through me, get to Him. Through me, get to her. I give myself to you that you might get to them. One hand on God, one hand on them, and you're the conduit through which God moves and works. So praise God that we can be what God wants us to be. Which is why it's so important that at this time, we stop listening to the media. I don't know what's happening with you out there. There's so much going out there about this whole thing that it's absolutely crazy. It is. And we don't know the half of it. But we do know God and we do know Jesus. And we know the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can call upon that name, that mighty name, to bring victory. Look in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 once again. We are to announce the good news. And the good news is this. If I hear them say there's going to be a relapse, that's not what I accept. It's not what I receive. It's not what I say. What I say is greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if we can get all believers in this nation of ours and start declaring that same thing, you know what? We could boot that thing right out of here. And the same thing with this tension that's taking place in our society. Let's get rid of it once and for all. There's a spirit behind it. It is a spiritual force. It's not a natural force. Let's do our part. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How are we going to escape? The corruption that's in this world if we neglect our great salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will if that was true back then that is true today right here right now in our lives in this society in our churches in our nation globally it's all true today. We can't neglect our salvation. Our salvation. He's talking about the ministry of angels sent to assist us to accomplish the purpose of God's will here in the earth. They hearken to the voice of his word. We give voice to his word. And when we give voice to his word, they begin to work out and carry out the plan of God on our behalf. 
We've got to give God something to work with. We've got to give angels something to work with. We've got to give the Holy Ghost something to work with. And that's why we're told to confess the word of God so that God can work through the word that we speak, which is his word. You notice he watches over his word to make it good, not my word or your word, but his word to make it good. And we would declare and decree his word, praise God, signs and wonders will follow. Look at John 2 and verse 11. This is from the NIV version of the Bible. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. What were the signs designed to do? To get people to believe in him. So that was the first sign, turning water into wine. And now we got these disciples believing in him. So the pattern recurs throughout the entire gospel. Look at John chapter 11. You can see it over and over again in all the gospels. You can see it in the book of Acts as well. Where signs and wonders basically promoted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he that was dead, this is Lazarus coming forth from the grave. You talk about a sign. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Next verse. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, what happened? They believed on him. And I'll tell you something right now. If you could watch Lazarus come from the dead after he was dead four days and not believe on him, then you had to be a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Probably a Sadducee. That's why they're sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. You know that. That's the truth. I'm not making it up. <laughs> These signs are designed to validate the gospel message and to bring people to a place of faith, believing God. It just creates a boldness about us. Look at the book of Acts. Same thing, the pattern in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Look at 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we see something else happening. On this day we see wind. We see tongues of fire and a heavenly language. Three signs that result in something called the birth of the church. We see something like Peter being bold like never before. Taken hold of by the Spirit of God, proclaiming the gospel message. Where? In Jerusalem, where Christ was crucified among those that crucified him and that wanted to kill Peter himself. But all of a sudden, what takes place, a boldness rises up because of this miracle of signs and wonders. And he preaches a message like never before. And 3,000 converts convert from Judaism to Christianity. And that's huge to say something like that. Right there in Jerusalem. From Judaism to Christianity. Look at the next in Acts chapter 3. A pattern here. And this is like years later, three years later. Peter said, silver and gold. Remember the man at the, lake, at the gate of the temple called Beautiful? He wanted alms. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked, entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew it was he which sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. 
Verse 16 goes on to say, it was his name through faith in his name made this man strong whom you see and know. The faith that is by him has given us perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So we see here this man. There, there it is right there. We see this man who they knew all these years begging alms. All of a sudden, a sign, a wonder takes place. A miracle occurs here among the people. And this man is now healed, delivered, and set free. And what takes place? The growth of the church. More people are added to the church as God confirmed his word with signs following. Let me quickly, before we get to our next text. In that same Indonesian revival, there were those miracles that took place that really fall in line with each and every one of these we mentioned in Mark 16. In my name will cast out devils, they did that. Speak with new tongues, they did that. Take up serpents, they did that. As a matter of fact, they actually said this. They said, wherever we would go, and there were snakes, I mean, there were venomous beasts, all kinds of poisonous snakes. If we had to pass by that way, we said, stop in Jesus' name. And he said, they became like dead. We walked right on by, but no problem whatsoever. On one occasion, Maltari, his sister, was with one of the teams that were sent out to go to a village and proclaim the gospel. They had to cross this river. At that particular time, it was uh, probably waist high or more higher than that. And he said, one of the, the person that was with her on the team went across the river as well, but he wasn't a good swimmer. And so as he began to cross the river, about halfway through, he saw four crocodiles coming his way. I forgot to say it was lunchtime. It was lunchtime. And there they were. And they were about four feet away from him. And the villagers on the other side, they were thinking, this is this guy's day to die. They're going to watch him die right there. And these crocodiles are ready to get their massive tails and just whack them. And of course, then it was lunch. Well, he said, it hit me in Mark's gospel 16 verse 18 that said, take up serpents means you've got power and authority over the animal kingdom. When they got within about four, three feet away, now he, he said, I said, in the name of Jesus, leave. They came another foot or two, turned himself around, and they swam away. He got to the other side, and those villagers on the other side stood there looking at him and said, did you see that? Those crocodiles listened to what he said. They obeyed him when he said, in the name of Jesus, leave. Need I say they all got saved? You think they would have gotten saved if he was lunched for those crocodiles? I don't think so either. But they obeyed him. See, once again, we don't live in that kind of an atmosphere. And when Jesus talked about going into all the world, the world was a lot different than it is today. We're talking about a lot of difference. I mean, it was tough to go into places and preach the gospel like that. Oh, how about this one? Another incident took place. They had to go to another village. And some of those workers that were with them said, uh-uh, you don't go there. They're notorious for using strong poisons to kill anybody that they disagree with or just don't even like. Do not go there. And they said, Lord, what, what do you say? He said, go. So they got themselves together. And they said they had a battle fear. But they went there and they sat with them and they began to eat with them. And after about two hours of dining, 
they started to preach the gospel. And as they were preaching the gospel, some of the people came up to them and just said, you've got to have some power. They said, well, what do you mean? We, we don't have any special power. You, you've got some special power. What do you mean? Said, we gave you the strongest poison in that food that we know of and that we have. You should have been dead within three minutes. And we sat there watching you and you didn't do anything. You didn't die. And here you are two hours later and you're preaching the gospel to us. You know what happened to those people, don't you? They accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Can I ask you this question? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is he the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever? Right. But you see, the church sometimes just gets lackadaisical and just kind of sits back and just says, we're just, uh, you know, we're okay with what we're at and what we're doing. But you know what? We've got a power source inside of us, my brother and my sister, that wants to be unleashed in this generation. Look at Acts chapter 4. This is after the healing of the um, man at the, at the uh, beautiful gate of the temple. And they take Peter and John in a question. Uh, and they don't want them to preach or teach at all in that name. And that's something. Right from the very beginning, the devil tries to stop preaching and teaching about the power of the name of Jesus. Well, they go to their own company after they're threatened, don't do it anymore. And they say this elaborate prayer. We pick it up in verse 29, Acts chapter 4. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. How? By stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken together. Or where they were, was assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. What gave them the boldness to proclaim it? The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the display of God's awesome power enable them to do so. Uh, look at uh, Acts chapter 5 as it continues on. That's what they prayed for. They prayed for that. We should echo that same prayer. Should we not in this generation? Grant signs and wonders and miracles that we can be bold to proclaim the truth of your word. That everywhere we go, praise God, you show up and manifest yourself, your power, your glory on the scene. Here, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders, that's what they prayed for, wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. He was practicing social distancing. That's why he just let his shadow. You didn't know that back then, but that's what happened. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Think about it. This is like five years down the road. It's still happening. But let me ask you this question. Way back when, when all this was happening within the first five years after the resurrection of our Lord, we're talking about people that were alive when Jesus was raised from the dead. We're talking about people that were eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection from the dead. We're talking about those that were there to hear Peter preach an anointed message on Pentecost, knowing that he was with them. May I ask you this question? That fresh from the resurrection 
And also with the empowerment that was upon these disciples of the Lord to preach anointed messages. Why would they need signs and wonders then? Why would they? I mean, they got enough right there. But you know what they said? Okay, we still need it. We still need it then. We still need it now. We need signs, wonders, miracles, displays that our God is alive. He's alive. Amen. And we need to make him known. He makes a difference in a person's life. He can manifest himself the same as he did then today. In Acts chapter 8. And here we have Philip. And he's not even a, an apostle. He's just a, a deacon. He goes into the city of Samaria. He preaches Christ to them. The people with one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came to many were possessed with them. And many taken with the palsy and were his lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Go on down to the next verse. I'll read right on there. But the certain man named called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, because he used sorcery. To whom they all gave heed, the least of the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because of that long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they heard the name of Jesus being preached, they were baptized, both men and women. You see, even someone like Simon the sorcerer was convicted. By the power that was displayed when Philip went there and preached the good news that was confirmed by signs and wonders. You know, beloved, we need to do exactly what they did in Acts chapter 4. And that is we continue to believe God for signs, wonders, and miracles and awesome displays of his mighty power and glory. Being the conduit that he uses to get into the earth as we make a highway for him to show off his mighty power and glory. Uh, I want us to look here as we bring this to a close in Acts chapter 26. Because there's so much more. Even at the house of Cornelius, which was when the Gentiles came into the, the faith. It was how? It was on a display of power when the Holy Ghost fell upon them as they did with the Jews in Acts chapter 2. And that's how they got saved. What's the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles? To bring people into the family of God. To get them saved. To hear the truth. Open up their hearts and minds so that they can see that God is a living God. And that he's alive and that he's real. And he's powerful and strong. Okay, Acts chapter 26. This is Paul. This was the greatest, one of the greatest turnarounds in, in all history. This man who was a Jew of the Jews, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, etc., etc., who wanted to destroy Christianity and put it, snub it out at its root, sees Jesus on the Damascus road. Here's his testimony. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw, here's his sign, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. 
delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me whereupon O King Agrippa I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So here we see Paul who wanted to destroy as Saul the work of God Christianity has a sign, a wonder, a miracle take place in which he sees Jesus, and that's all it took. 180, turn around. And now he's proclaiming Jesus. And look at his own statement in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Here's what he declares. In my speech, in my preaching, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, with excellence with speech oratorical excellence but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God it doesn't matter how eloquent one is behind a pulpit it doesn't matter how many big words he can use when he preaches or proclaims the truth of God's word you know what matters is is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside that's to be unleashed and released among the people to bring down the glory of Almighty God that it might manifest among the people to have an effect upon the people's lives in such a powerful way that it absolutely changes them from the inside out hallelujah I'm preaching better than you're shouting Glory. Look at Acts chapter 28 and we'll close it here. Look at verse 3. This is like 20 years later. Some 20 years later. Here's the apostle Paul. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks. Now you remember this. They were on the ship. He told them not to go. They wouldn't listen. On the ship an angel comes and says, fear not. I'm going to save you. And also all that are on the ship with you. Not one hair be lost on anybody's head if they stay in the boat. You heard it. An angel stood by me by this night. Told me all these things. I believe God, he said. It's going to be as God said. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. And you'll be okay. And you know the story. They made it to shore. They make it to shore. And when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when uh, the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. He's not a murderer. He's a God. He's a God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So next time... You get bitten by a snake on your wrist, just do the snake and shake. And just, I, I think that is so, today people would say cool, you know, it's so cool that the way it's stated here, it's like he's minding his own business. He's just, you know, getting some sticks, goes to put in a fire, this thing attaches, and he just goes, here's another stick over here. Nothing. No panic nothing right he just just like that and there it goes what a place to get to in God wouldn't you say what a place there is 
for all of us to arrive at. The miraculous is as much needed today as it was back then. If they needed in the first century church, especially in the first five years after the resurrection, they still needed it. We need it today. Oh church, let us rise up. Let us take our place. Let us do our part. Let us, as they did, continue to thank God daily for signs, wonders, and miracles that will promote the gospel and get people to believe. Let's stand together before the Lord.